Okay, that's recording. You ready, Chris? Yeah. Right. Hello and welcome to the Stelvio Chronicles, the podcast episode of my awesome website, Stelvio Automotive. I'm Sean Smith. I'm joined today by my awesome, sexy friend, <laughs> Christopher Strickland. How's it going, Chris? Um, good, thank you, Sean. But I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't say that. I'm, I'm a nice chap, but that's, that's, that's a step too far. I mean, you know, friend, it's what a friend. Too kind. Too, too kind. kind. Let's go with that. We'll go with that. Well, this is technically the first episode of the uh, Stelvio Chronicles. It is the first. Let's, be, let's get this straight. No, no, no. It's, it's the first. No it's, no, it's the first podcast. It's yeah. not the first recording of yeah, something. No, not at all. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I should say, um, last weekend I was, at, uh, I was invited to Rye House, uh, thanks to my friend Sam Green, um, both my friend Sam Green. Um, he works at Rye House. He allowed us to film about five or six episodes for the Stelvio Automotive Podcast, Stelvio Chronicles. And uh, all the files deleted themselves and corrupted. Which I, is a, should we just call it down to a technical error, a, a building path. It, it, was, it was bad news what it was. But um, here we are today, we're in the north. It's not the north, it is not the north. Well, we're in Nuneaton. It's not is... even north of Birmingham. It's not even that north. <laughs> I mean, it's above the M3. Which if you... It doesn't matter, it's not the north. If you're southern. People yeah, call it the Midlands, I like to think it's the south. Fine, well there you go. It's what some people who are correct would call the north. Um, I'm with Chris Chicken today, who works, do you, do you, do you, are you allowed to say where you work? Oh, I'm crossing Where do you work, Chris? I'm a VCA, Vehicle VCA. Certification Agency. We do pre MOTs for pre-production vehicles. Nice. Is their quickest way of saying it. It's the quickest way of saying it, that's good, because yeah. we're completely rushed for time. Actually, not whatsoever. Um, these are the Stereo Chronicles. We're going to be discussing any subjects we really want. Say, same as my articles, really. If whatever comes to mind, we just talk about it and voice opinions, because, you know, opinions matter more just as much as facts. Yeah, your opinion apparently matters more my than opinion, anybody else. My else's. opinion is facts. It's just <laughs> so, so uh, Christopher, today, because you work at the Vehicle Certification Agency, Good which one. I remember, well um, you are aware of, uh, of safety and shit. I am. I'm not like You're aware of it. I am aware of safety. Yes, I'm yeah. aware of of how safe things are meant. Do you watch F1, Chris? Because I watch it. In that case, that's a perfect thing for this podcast. Because today we're going to be talking about concepts. Sorry, cockpit safety. Um, which is a big issue in Formula One at the moment. So it's, you're on about a Halo device, yeah, the they're free, aero screen, I, and then Indy's version of the aero. It's screen. almost as if I've told you already what we're going to be discussing, Chris. I'm just yeah. knowledgeable. Sure. It's just knowledgeable. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the Halo, the canopy, which is the entire enclosed off section, like see at Le Mans, and the aero screen slash. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, which is the the free devices. Um, so obviously F1, Chris brought in the Halo this year. Um, for their brand new cars. You mean the flip-flop. The flip-flop, the chicken wishbone, the cockpit safety devices, I'm sure Formula 1 call it all the time, or the Halo if you're also... Do you know what that. the Halo stands for? Um, I don't know, I thought, I thought Xbox would just pay them, pay them loads of money and uh, told them to say it. No, mm. what is it? I don't know. I just oh, you have some I, no, no. <laughs> I, I just assume it's to, just because it's a halo around the driver. I mean, yeah, that, that's sort of what I implied from it. I just, yeah, I just, I, I mean, I've got no idea. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there is an acronym. If anyone knows it, feel free to comment or don't. I don't really care. Um, but no, we, we've got plenty of stuff which uh, we're going to talk about today. It's going to be any of those three, seeing the pros and cons of each, and you know which should F1 have done it? Should they have gone this early with this concept? Um, and should they look at other stuff still? Did they did they do the right choice? Um, so the biggest issue I think with the Halo is the aesthetics, the looks of it on the car. However, I've, when talking to Sam and I've come a few of those last week, there was 
a difference in opinion between when you see the halo on the car in pictures. You're talking about the camera, the TV camera. No. Or are you talking about like a still? The, yeah, the aesthetics of the car. When you look at the car, for you, there's there's a difference in opinion between when you see a picture and when you are watching it live moving on TV. Okay. People seem to be much more open to it. Accepting? Yeah, accepting. Uh, so they, they don't seem to have as much of a, ugh, that's disgusting reaction when you're actually watching the TV, watching the cars go around. Well, because it's probably because you're looking at the Halo on a still. It's there. It's like, bang, right in the middle of the picture. There's the Halo device. It looks terrible. When it's on the screen and the car's in a fluid motion and it's moving and it's on the track and so on. Well, you're not looking at the Halo. You're looking at the car. Where do you stand there, Chris? What? The Halo. On the Halo? Aesthetics. I don't like it. I don't know. It's one of those things that you'll either love it or you hate it, and I don't actually do either. I, no. I, it's one of those things where it's like, it's there, it's there for a reason, you've got to accept it, and just move on. Yeah. I don't like it, but it has to be there. It has to be put into place, because if you were to have another Jules Bianchi accident, which is where this came from, and somebody said, we had a device, we're going to sue you because you didn't put that device on the car, yeah. That's a bit of an issue. So, so, so do you think that F1 preempted just a bit more to preempt themselves in terms of having another accident which could result in a death? You know, Maria de Velotta had a similar accident um, a few years ago who unfortunately died, I think, sort of as a result. I can't, I can't remember. There was a, a string. She, she had the accident. Yeah. She lost an eye. She then downward spirals of depression because she couldn't do the things that she wanted to do. But it was as a result of the It crash. wasn't as a result of a crash, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there's just there's plenty of opportunity to have that sort of accident which could result in head injuries, could result yeah. in unfortunately death, which is... The I mean, you just look at how close Alonso has come a couple of times yes. to having his head How hit. close he has come. <laughs> how close he has come. But there, there's, all, there's those people who just look at the halo and go, oh, it's not the spirit of Formula One. Oh, you It's such a rubbish statement. It's just the, the spirit of... It's completely ridiculous. If they had it though, there'd be 1960s F1 cars going around at 300 miles an hour. Yeah, we, we, we could do it's, it's the... And you have a new driver line up every single week. Yeah, it's also the fact that the spirit of F1 is such a ridiculous statement just due to how much stuff has changed in terms of safety from the cars, from helmets themselves, seat belts. Yeah, they didn't exist for a good long while. You look further, further down the line, you look at the engines, for example, you could say, oh, that's not the spirit of F1. Yeah, these V6 hybrid engines, but some people could say Yeah, but that. I like the hybrid engines. Do you? I, yeah. like, I like the idea of it. I don't like the engines themselves. I think they sound terrible. They did sound terrible in 2014. They don't sound... They do. Compared to a V8. Well, yeah, but you, can, you say, oh, the V8 sounds amazing. But then you say, well, compare that to the V10. You go, oh, well, the V10 was much better. And then I mean, you say, well, compare it to a V10 and a V12. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, the V12 is better than the V10. You know, it's all about whether you compare it to something. But just it if you have... just listen to it and forget the fact that you had a screaming V8 that did 20-odd thousand RPM, and just listen to it, you thought, actually, it doesn't sound that bad. I mean, it does sound a bit like a vacuum cleaner. A little bit. A, a little, little bit like a vacuum cleaner. That's mainly because of the turbo. That's because of the turbo. Yeah, <laughs> and the fact they've only got one exhaust pipe. Which well, is, the top two. It's not really. The other one's not really an exhaust no. pipe, but it has two. Um, so, yeah, the spirit of F1 argument is completely ridiculous when it comes to this device and cockpit safety. Um, but when we look at other series, you know, IndyCar, who are currently researching their aero, their aero screen, windscreen, whatever you want to call it, windshield if you're American, um, there's, uh, it's, the reason they didn't pick the halo is entirely because it would obstruct their view on ovals. When you're at a banked angle, you can't see ahead of you because the, the central pivot 
and the uh, the halo bit itself. Well, no, it's not the central pivot because you don't know it's the central pivot. It's part. It's of the, the halo, the actual halo bar that you were blocking your, your view, your view down the road because you're looking because in an IndyCar you're looking up and away because of the way the car is. Different. Because of the back corners. Yeah, this was shown in a video I think on motorsport.com uh, where Scott Dixon explained why the aero screen and the halo are the the two choices that IndyCar looked at and they went with the aero screen. Um, and so yeah, does do we think? I mean, some people have said that. Rouge, for example, could pose a similar problem with a halo. I don't think it's anywhere near the same. Unless somebody's going to have an accident right at the top of Rouge, like you're where not, it crowns. You're not going to see that anyway. You know, you're not going to see that anyway because by the time you hit the bottom of Rouge to the top of Rouge, it's like half a second. Yeah. So you, if some, it doesn't matter if you've got a halo there or not, you're, you're going to hit the car. So do you, I think it's, it is because they're different series. They have different attributes in terms of their driving style. It's You can't compare them. No. To be honest, you can't compare them. The, the, the only thing you compare is the fact it's an open-wheel brakes car. Only thing you can compare yeah, in terms of safety. Completely agree. Um, but it does deal with the question, did F1 jump at the opportunity to get the halo device on, as you said, as a, maybe a, a preventative measure? Or did they could, should they have spent another year? Because IndyCar haven't had they have the new chassis, the Delara uh, IR eighteen, which we both love. Yeah, I do quite like that. And if they haven't they have it ready to have the aero screen on, but they yeah you just look at they that. haven't put it on yet because they want to be fully sure it is the safest uh, most I don't know the, the safest device they could possibly put on a car. Now you see, I think it's a little with F one, the average lap time. I think the average lap time ever, or the fastest average lap time is what, 130 miles an hour at Monza yeah. or something like that? It's a lot slower than It's a lot slower. You look at the average lap time at a super speedway, 200. that's 200 miles an hour. Now, in F1, you can get away with, sorry, you can't get away with the fact that you can be like, bought something on that you're pretty sure works. Because 90% of the time, it's not going to be needed. Mm-hmm. IndyCar, totally different story. You're doing 200 miles an hour, you have to make sure it's right. So it's simply, it's simply a, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking after? It's, it's, it's just the, the difference in the scale of how fast they are going, which is why they need to be as sure with the safety yeah. device that they actually use. Yeah, because you, as you say, if you, let's say, the halo doesn't have the visual impairment, yeah. and you stick that on and you get a car doing 200 miles an hour and there's a chunk that gets flicked up, yeah. you know, the halo, it doesn't matter if the halo's there or not, it can go through the gaps. Absolutely. And it can quite easily knock the driver out and you have an accident. And then everyone's like, why did you implement this? It doesn't do its job. The aero screen, you could implement it straight away. Mm-hmm. Same piece of chunk of, of metal or carbon. Should in theory bounce off. Should in theory bounce off. But if it doesn't, they'll be like, why didn't you test it enough? True. Why didn't you make sure that that bit of shard wasn't going to... So it's a catch twice two situation. Yeah, you just got to test and test and test. And then at some point, somebody has to make the decision that's acceptable. I'll put my name down that if something happens, I'll be responsible. Okay. Um, so do we think F1 did it for the PR, for the saying, look, we are a bit, we are trying to do something that is good, something that's in the interest of Do you think the Halo is a bigger problem to the audience because of the quote-unquote negative feedback that F1 has had recently with the V6 engines, with the looks of the cars? Is it just an amalgamation of small little storylines that have mounted to be quite have the fans as angry as they are or do you think those fans would have just been angry full stop anyway when it comes to outrage over that my question advice? would be would be which fans are you talking about the general public that look at, to me and you yeah the halo's an issue but we are motorsport fans we are you know we watch we've watched f1 or whichever form of motorsport you in your case wc 
year after year after year. Yeah. Man on the street, he'll watch F1 when it's on. No, he doesn't, won't he care. doesn't, he won't I'm, care. I'm, I'm so you put that. a halo on there, he's like, oh, it's just a thing that's, yeah, it's just, just an evolution of cars. So he's not going to care. I'm talking about the motorsport fraternity who, right, so to, who, who would generally speaking advise their voice of concerns. Are they are they more vocal about this simply because of the previous things they haven't liked over the last few years, or are they just people who will just make, moan for the sake of it? No, I think it's just the fact that you know over a short period of time F one's gone from. I mean, you, if you look at the grand scale of F one, it's been around seventeen hundred odd years. Nineteen fifty, so nearly seventy years. Yeah, seventy years. Let's just say seventy years. It's been around seventy years, and for let's say fifty years of that up until the early two thousand. In general specs, the cars didn't really, you know, they evolved. they evolved, but they didn't like dramatically change. There wasn't that massive. I mean, there were changes mechanically. I say from the turbo engines to the uh, the non-turbo engines. Obviously, when they when they outlawed that, there were changes in the formula entirely. When they went to Formula Two in the fifties, but generally speaking, the car as a as a beat, as a machine, as yeah, a it was thing, an engine, yeah. four tires, a little bit of aero, and driver, and a chassis. Yeah. Now it's engine, driver. Era that's unbelievably complex. You know, you've got the engines which now are unbelievably complex. So much money goes into it, so much advertising, so much publicity, so much media. You know, got all these these things pile on. It's because of this dramatic change mm -hmm. in such a short period of time. People are like that's not what I used so to. So it's watch. a reactionary thing. Yes, because of the um, just because it is so different and it is that's where the spirit of the uh, <laughs> quote unquote spirit of Formula One comes in. Yeah, it's just people who are small C conservative trying to just to keep things as they are um that's fair enough so that's i mean that's but it's equally when you have a look at indycar which in many ways has stayed very much as the same as yeah you car. look at a champ car and you go that's that's, that's an indycar, an IndyCar. <laughs> you look at a champ car it's got a front wing got a rear wing it's got side pods it's yeah. got a driver it's got wheels you look at one front wing side pods driver wheels yeah they're all relatively similar there's no massive change but equally the american public are much much more open possibly because the aero screen is seen as a safety because they have had more deaths um, in the IndyCar over the years than yeah. Formula One has. They, pro I, I don't know, I'm a, I don't know necessarily if that's true, but I think America do seem to be more open to the idea. I think a big problem for for the F1 fans here is the fact that you can't see. The, it does obscure the driver's helmet. It's harder to detect which driver is who. I think that is a bit a big issue in Formula One. Yeah. Because you, you, we already had concerns beforehand about F1 drivers not being visible. And I think this, the halo, just it does just. Yeah, you look at the, you look at Bottas and you look at Hamilton, and unless you look at the numbers or the helmets, you couldn't tell which one. The T bar, but that that's changed colours multiple times over the last decade. Mm. Um, it's there's it, no consistency. It, there's no consistency, which doesn't help F1. But if you look at we're comparing IndyCar and F1 a lot, but if you look at Alexander Rossi and his team, who's his team? Uh, he works for Andretti Autosport. Andretti Autosport. Yeah. But yeah, you look at Rossi and his teammate, you can tell which one's Rossi and you can tell which one's his teammate, can't you? Yeah, they have two different cars. Two different cars. That's, yeah. that's, uh, that's IndyCar's sponsorship culture. It's slightly different, unfortunately. No, but you can tell that that's Alexander Rossi and that's yes, you can. just based off yes. his sponsorships. Yes. Whereas if you look at Hamilton and Bottas, you can't tell which one's Rossi. No, because the cars are the same. Yeah. Um, where was I going with this? Um, basically, it was just the case that IndyCar seems to be much more open with the windscreen. Um, I suppose because you can still see the drivers, you can still see what the act they're doing in the car. You can see, um, you, it doesn't actually, it's not as visible a thing as the big solid titanium halo is compared to what is essentially perspex um, on the windscreen. It's much more, it's much less of a visual impact to the viewer, mm. which I think 
I think is probably possibly why they're more open to it. Um, I'm not saying F1 should or shouldn't go down the aero screen route. Maybe they will in the future. Who knows? It depends how how the safety development goes. Oh, in my eyes, there'll be an aero screen on an F1 car by 2021. Would it be an aero screen or would it be that with the halo bar as well? No, no, it'll be an aero screen. Yeah. It'll be, what it will be is you'll have IndyCar run it whenever they're due to run it, which is 2019? Uh, end of this year, possibly. But uh, let's say 2019. Let's say 2019. Right. F1 will look at that, or the FIA will look at that closely and see the results and see how they're dealing with the change in light, because obviously IndyCar run at nighttime as well, so yep. you've got the floodlights, and then the changing from sunset to night time and how that reacts and how they deal with that. And I reckon by 2021, the IndyCar will have it sorted. They'll have Mark 10 and it will be the best one. Yeah. And F1 will go, we like that idea. Yeah. But we'll now put it on our cars. We'll put it on our car and say, look, we made the cars better looking. Hooray. Exactly. Yeah. That's what they'll do. And because obviously in 2021, you've got massive changes in rules. You've got the massive aero changes, the engine changes. It makes sense to It makes try sense to, to try. You may even have a situation where teams choose between aero and halo, which most teams will choose that. The aero, just because it has a big impact on the it's aerodynamics. Easier, it's easier to build car. a car which um, which has the air already being moved as a bulk mass around the car, as opposed to the halo, which is quite essentially, essentially a bar, yeah. which is in the way of where you want to have the air which well. is a shame. Yeah. Um, but that brings us to the third cockpit um, safety, which is when you look at Le Mans at the cars and prototypes, they have an enclosed canopy. Do you think that an enclosed canopy could ever be in Formula 1? Damn right, I think it'll be in F1 at some point. When do you think that? Uh, 2030 plus. Are we looking a long way ahead? 2030 plus. I mean, the way I look at it is F1 will go that way at some point just because you've got these concept cars like the Red Bull. Yeah, on Gran Turismo. Yeah, you've got the Red Bull 2014 or whatever it's called. Whatever it's called. You've got the multiple... I think GT Sport now has a McLaren car that's open wheel which has a canopy. Mm -hmm. You've got Ferrari's concepts, which have a canopy yeah, and a closed cockpit. You know, we've got all these cars, and they look amazing. You see that thing going around monsters, parabolic at 240 miles an hour. No one's going to care. They can't Nobody's going to care. You can't see the driver. Plus, you've got all the benefits of a closed cockpit. You can get a camera in there. Yeah. You can get a camera looking directly in front of the, we, we the driver. See, we see a Le Mans every single year, and it gets better every year. You can have one camera facing out onto the track and you see, because it's lower to the ground than a normal Formula One cockpit camera. It's, so you get, you feel, have, you have a higher sense of speed. You can have another one staring back at the driver, just as you do now, I think. They, they've had ones just in front of the driver looking into their eyes. Yeah. Um, you can have one of those. You can have multiple angles of cockpit camera. Um, you can have one, <laughs> you can have what the um, V8 supercars have, have one right on the, the pedal box. You probably won't have much space to do it, but they you could can do that in F one. They could do that on now already, but they could have multiple cameras. Because the thing is, if they have a canopy, they could in theory have a wider nose section because the aero isn't. It will be completely changed by having an entire, an entire canopy section rather than what you're trying. Well, to what would be nice is if the FIA gave a leeway. You can have a wider one if you want, or you can have a thinner one if you want. The I mean, obviously there'll be a convergence at some point. Yeah. Where it's a, a what I'm saying point. is that because the, the error around that set that entire midsection will change. Yeah, of course. It will. They will potentially because they currently have the thin side and then go round the side pods into the coke bottle shape because they want to have as little disturbance around the air box, which is a vertical mass that they're hitting with the air. Mm. By having that essentially closed off by say a wind a windscreen or a canopy, they can in theory change the entire shape of the bulkhead and the chassis. They could do whatever they wanted. 
within, I assume, I assume there are measurement rules. Because but, uh, but, in the, but in theory, they could widen all that out. They can have a wider driver space, which could be more comfortable. They could do a range of things. That could be safety, for example. It's, um, it, could, it could very much change the look, of, look and feel of Formula One and maybe even IndyCar. I think IndyCar would depend very much on what Delara wants because they are the sole constructor. Um, but equally, I suppose, Delara will, will have to change their form relative to what they're selling in Europe. You know, it's, it's a very complex situation. Yeah, but from Delara's point of view, if they can make a canopy for an LMP1 car and a canopy for a, an Indy car that's yeah. exactly the same, they're going to be like quids in. Yeah, they'll, they'll be selling the same product for the same Exactly, day. exactly, yeah. Um, but we think that canopies are a way away, 10 years, maybe more. I think you do have to make sure there is that distinction between a prototype, yeah. like they have now, and an, an, an open wheel race car. I, I like the idea of how Formula E has the the, the covers. The new spark, the one that's coming yeah, this year. No, no, not the new one. The current one where you have the um, front wing end plates slightly cover the front tires oh, right, to help yeah. the weight distribution. I like those ideas, but I, if you went to a point where you're starting to have covered wheels... I think next year is more covered on the front. Probably. We'd have to look at a picture. We should have really done this for the uh, for our research. Let's have some pictures to look at. But never mind. Um, yeah, carry on. But no, you know, once you're starting into that boundaries of covered wheels and the suspension starts getting covered, then that's a bit too far because then you're not... Then the spirit of F1 yeah. then doesn't become the spirit of F1. So Having said that, if the WEC goes back to its sports car routes and starts having GT1 type cars mm -hmm. and then F1 starts having slightly more closed... The super prototypes. Yeah, the super prototypes and then F1 starts having the closed, almost LMP1-esque, it wouldn't matter too much because you still have that differentiation, mm. but it's just making sure there is that differentiation. But then we've also got the problem there that this is a completely different subject, but LMP1 will then, the, the manufacturers will twist that rule as much as they possibly can to make it, make, make it they'll, they'll bring out a homologation special. Uh, yeah, but that's what we want. Who doesn't didn't... want to see a homologation special? Who doesn't want to see I mean, look that at McLaren... The, sorry, the not the McLaren. The, Miss, the, no, no. Ferrari. Yeah, the, but what I'm on about is um, who doesn't want to see a CLK GTR? One of those. I'll one of those like, things on the road. If that's the walkers listening, he'll surely correct us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, who doesn't want to see one of them on the road? True. Because it's a homologation special. Who doesn't want to see that? Yeah. I want to see that. Granted, see that. they'll only be one of them. That's the, I think that's the only reason why they don't have the supercar, the, the hypercars in Le Mans right now is because there's no need for them. They, they, they sell the Ferrari 488, the Aston Martin Vantage. Those are the biggest sellers for them. So that's why they have they bring those to Le Mans. Yeah, but that's they a could, GT spec. Yes. But they could easily, if they wanted to, have a Ferrari, what are they called? The, what's the current, the biggest Ferrari? The Ferrari FXXK? The LaFerrari one? I think that's it. We'll call it La, LaFerrari with, uh, with confidence. Uh, the McLaren P1, they, the Porsche 918. They could bring all those to Le Mans if they wanted. Um, but well, because there's no market, and that's what Le Mans always Well, no, the market doesn't need motorsport. The market for those cars doesn't need motorsport. I'm sure it does. If it, no, you get an Arab, he doesn't give a damn if it races or not, does he? He just wants the fastest, most expensive car. Possible. But I'm sure, I'm sure that in the Arab countries, they have... Uh, they're, they're, they're super motorsport people who are just like, yes, I want to buy a 2017 Ferrari, whatever, because it won Le Mans. It's the car that what that right that car won Le Mans, and it's um, it, you know, it's the set of the old the old set of adage that win on Sunday, but you sell on Monday. It's I think that still does have it does some, have a massive effect. Yeah. Have some effect on um, at least Le Mans prototypes, yeah. um, but that's where that's where we're going with. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> look at GTs for example, you know. They, they, they used to be open-top-ish sport car, sports cars back in the 50s. You know, it was much more 
open in terms of the cockpit rather compared to what they have now, which is entire. Yeah, exactly, the D-type. Um, and Le Mans, I think, with the current prototypes, they, they're enforced that they have to have a canopy because, you know, 10 years ago, they obviously had the uh, the open... The well, open back in 2015, the Alpine sports car... Exactly, the Sigmatech Alpine, they had still had an open canopy. Yeah. That was, that's been banned in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, I think mainly due to safety concerns. I think it is for flying debris. Is that, yeah, exactly. Be, well, I suspect it'll be for flying debris. It must be. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's the question. Is that it, uh, do we think there's a place ever again for racing open cockpit cars? Yeah, you look at the Boss GP. Boss GP, which is a bunch of old cars racing around. Yeah, there'll so, be a market for so, it. Will, <laughs> right. You, know, you will have your, you know, your middle-aged millionaire who wants to spend a bit of cash and he sees F1, or he sees his childhood, childhood F1 cars and you're like, I'll drive one of them. Okay. So we in think, terms of like on a mass scale, I'm talking about like a future market. In the, are there going to be new cars that, that could have a place in racing, which are open, open wheel, open uh, cockpit? Unless you're having like aero. Or do you think the rules will no. just never allow it? Once they go cockpit, that will be it. Yeah. Once they go cockpit, that'll be it. It'll be it because a there's the speeds will increase and there will be no advantage to having an open cockpit. And two, once you have a cockpit and you feel safe, you won't want to have an open. Yeah. and the rules will just never let it happen um, which is a bit of a shame in a way but I think it is for the right reasons I think it is nobody wants to see their favourite F1 driver in a hospital bed No, because something hit their head nobody does no I think uh, that's entirely agreed so it's so we think the halo is ugly but it's a it's a necessary evil yeah. in many ways we think that the canopy once IndyCar introduced it possibly at the end of 2018 once they've introduced it refined it then the FIA yeah. will have a good look at it once they've actually done all the thorough testing they've proved the concept the FIA will probably and, and Liberty Media for F1 will see it with its benefits they'll bring it into F1 as a as a media um, a media perk going oh yes great 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 story for F1 um, and eventually we think it'll go to canopies because that's just the future yeah but it'll be a, a while it will be, it'll a, be while. a while i think that's that's it we think that overall copy safety a good thing yeah of course it is yes of course. Well, there you go that's a, a firm resounding yes from us uh that was the end of the first episode thankfully hopefully this one does record and i can actually post it online of the uh, stereo chronicles episode one of the podcast thank you very much for listening uh, we'll be back at some point um i'm not going to say weekly because it's not going to be weekly trust me um, thank you very much to Chris. Sorry. And uh, thank you very much to me. Uh, it's uh, I'll Sean Smith. We'll be back next time. Thank you very much. I don't know where to start.